Let me pray again. Father in heaven, please grant to me that I might speak well because the alternative is not good for anyone. But the miracle is in the listener, Lord. Not much, talk, not much point in me speaking if you don't open the ears and the hearts and the minds of people to listen, to hear and to embrace the truths of your word. So, Father, by your Spirit, please work the miracle of listening, that people might know that you are God, that they might rejoice in the fact that Jesus is our Saviour, and that they might rely on your Spirit for your work in them for all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I wonder if you ever give thought to the centuries of promised safety for vulnerable people offered to you in Jesus Christ. On Saturday night in 2008, at a Good Vibes concert festival in Moore Park, my son Nathan was king hit from behind. He never saw it coming, the cowardly act of someone that reveals just how vulnerable a person can be. 2pm, 20th of February 2009, my 19-year-old daughter phoned me from her bedroom to say she had spots, and four hours later she was in a coma diagnosed with meningococcal meningitis sepsis. A simple germ revealed to us just how vulnerable a person can be. A while back, just out of Armadale, a lady was crushed to death putting cattle into a yard. I guess you'd call that cattle guard vulnerability. We live currently in a drought where the environment makes us realise just how vulnerable we are. So many things you never see coming. Evil, sickness, accident, environmental things. There is a vulnerability to life. But here's the problem. Here's the problem that you live within as humans on this planet, you confidence. I live in an Australia where we are incredibly vulnerable, but where everyone thinks they are safe. And I want to ask you this morning, are you really safe? Of course, if this church has not been focused on answering that question, then can I say we are leaving a lot of people vulnerable when they could be safe. And my guess is that this church has been working very hard in this area as we bring six confirmees for confirmation today because this church exists to help people know in a vulnerable world how they can indeed be safe. 
I've learned two great lessons in life. I've actually learned a whole lot more than that. Adam's taught me a few, actually. In fact, he probably wanted to talk to me about a whole lot more after church this morning. But the first lesson that I've learned in life is this, that where we are powerless, there is only vulnerability. But my second lesson that I've learned is that where the king is, there is power. As I read the the gospel biography of Jesus' life in Mark's gospel, the thing the writer and I, along with every Christian, wants others to see most clearly is Jesus. And why does Mark want us to see Jesus? Well, the answer is because he has a lesson for us all to learn. And that is, where the king is, there is power. I want people to see Jesus' power, but I have to say, more than this, I want them to see the ambition of Jesus' power. Plenty of people got power, haven't they? The bully at school has power, don't they? They don't necessarily use their power in a positive way, do they? The bully in a marriage doesn't use power properly, do they? The bully in a church doesn't use power properly, do they? Plenty of people have got power. But I want you to see Jesus' power for a moment, for his power is a power to deal with the vulnerable and to help. And the opening chapters of Mark's Gospel tell us that. You've got your Bibles open to Mark's Gospel. We will come to Mark chapter 7. That's where you need to be in Mark 7 in a minute. But in lead up to this, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has compassion on a leper and he heals him. In Mark chapter 2, he forgives a paralysed man and makes him walk again. In Mark chapter 3, against the convention of the day, he takes a man and he heals his withered hand on the Sabbath. In Mark chapter 4, he removes fear by calming a storm. In Mark chapter 5, he restores the right hand of a man being destroyed. uh, Sorry, he restores the right mind of a man being destroyed by demons. And he gave life to a dead girl and to a woman who was effectively as good as dead in her society. In Mark chapter 6, he has compassion on 5,000 hungry people, feeding them with five loaves and two fishes, and then he tops it all off, doesn't he, with a walk, stroll on the water. And all this before he meets what I consider to be one of the most vulnerable of all people in the world. Consider Jesus for a moment, will you? Because that's what you should be doing in church, considering Jesus all the time. Because where the king is, there is power to heal a leper, make a paralysed walk, calm a storm, defeat demons, raise the dead, feed a hungry multitude and walk on the water. But don't miss what drives the power of the king in all of this. He is the compassionate, forgiving, fear-removing, mind-changing, Life-giving Son of God. Extraordinary. Is it any wonder then that in chapter 7, mindful of the past, people bring one of life's most vulnerable people to Jesus? 
A man who is both deaf and mute. He can't hear and he can't speak. Of course, if the bloke in Mark 7 had lived today, he would have loved today. He would have loved Facebook, emails, text messaging. He could have been able, he would have been able to pretend to be everything that he was not and you would have been vulnerable to his deceit. But this man lives in the pre-Facebook age of Mark chapter 7 and is the vulnerable one. His was an age, strangely, when friends could actually talk to one another face to face, not just by text message, emails, Facebooks, Instagrams, and so it goes on, and all the other options that prevent us having to see each other's ugly heads. But this bloke, but this bloke could not speak. His was an age when information and wisdom were learnt through hearing. But this guy can't hear. I can't get over how vulnerable this bloke is. He can't hear and he can't speak. Uh, we have a mute button on our television remote control. You got one of those? It's one of those modern things. A mute button which silences what is being said. And I've got to say, I hate it when I'm trying to hear the TV and someone mutes the conversation. Uh, it's at that point I want a mute button on them. Yeah? I hate it because when they mute it, I miss the important bits, don't I? So what do I do? I yell at them. Hey, I'm listening to this. Turn that back on. Now think about the man in Mark 7. He is permanently deaf to all the important bits. And he can't yell to alert people of his need. Life has pressed the mute button on his ears and his speech. Imagine that. Imagine being deaf for a moment. Unable to hear a word of warning puts you in grave danger, doesn't it? Unable to hear a word of love. Why, well, that would be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? Imagine being mute. Unable to let people know you have a problem. Why, well, that could be life-threatening, couldn't it? And unable to say, I love you, why that would just be so isolating, wouldn't it? This bloke is vulnerable to what he can't hear and vulnerable because of what he can't express. But, the but, but, but by the time you read about him, we have seven chapters where Mark has revealed two giant truths. Where we are powerless, there is only what? Vulnerability. But Mark has revealed that where the king is, there is power. <laughs> and what kind of king will Jesus be like towards the vulnerable? Well, look, notice what the people do. And verse 32 of chapter 7. 
And they brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly speak, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. You know, there's often times in Mark's Gospel where people come to Jesus and beg him. And every time they do, it's like, it's nice in one sense that people beg Jesus for things, but Jesus ever so quickly responds, almost as though he doesn't need to be begged because he's ready to serve. They bring this man to Jesus. Why? Because they recognise that where they are powerless, there is only... What? Hello? Good, good. Just checking to see if you're all still there. Uh But where the king is, why, there is power. Then Jesus does what he often does. He builds a stage, doesn't he? In the passage, if you're watching the passage carefully, he builds a stage and he calls in a band, a music group, (laughs) and he puts them up on the stage and he gets them ready to play a few rousing choruses. And uh, then he has a couple of testimonies. uh, And then he, he talks about what he's about to do so everybody's impressed. And then he does this extraordinary miracle. That's what the passage says, isn't it? No. Oh, that's good. Always important to actually have your Bible open, isn't it? Sorry, did you hear that? Always important to have your Bible open when it comes to church because there are people who will come to church who will try to teach you things that aren't in the Bible. And as you come for your confirmation today, you're confirming that you follow Christ. In an age where there are many false teachers who will come. And you need to be able to assess whether or not they are true or not true. And the only way you can assess whether they're true or not true is to have your Bibles open to see if what they're saying is actually what the Scriptures say. There's a word for the confirmees. Confirmees, you reckon that's a good word for the congregation? Eh? I do too. So go your Bibles open. Jesus does what he often does in verse 33. Do you see this? He took the man aside and away from the crowd. Now I have to wonder if this man had ever been taken aside privately by another person. Oh, people may have let him tag along, but it's hard to get personal with someone who can't hear and speak, isn't it? His mother would love him, but... The rest of us, we'd be happy in, in the crowd with him, but we'd be awkward if we were left alone with him, wouldn't we? But not Jesus. And before we see the exercise of Jesus' power to heal the man, I think we see the compassion of Jesus to spend a special moment privately with the man because we're meant to learn that King Jesus is interested in us personally. And despite all our weaknesses and failures. You let that settle for a moment? I think many people think that God is interested in the church, the crowd. You know, yeah, God's, God's for the world, God's for the church, God, God loves us all. But I don't want you confirmation to miss this. 
God is interested in you personally. Keen to be aside and alone with you personally. To speak with you through his word today. You with him in prayer. He takes him aside. Pride. This is not a moment for Jesus to big note himself, though he could have. This was a moment when Jesus focused on another person's need. That seems to be the way it is with Jesus, doesn't it? Don't you, have you discovered that? It seems to be always the way it is with Jesus. There was no big noting himself, for example, on the day he went to the cross. Now there was the stage. Too much quality music being played that day. No happy clappies at that event. He certainly had the power to make a big statement on that day of the cross, didn't he? I mean, I have no doubt that the one who could cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, could have overcome the crucifying crowd. I have no doubt that he could have done that. I mean, where the king is, there is power. But at the cross, the focus of the king was not on himself, was it? But it was on us. On our men. On our vulnerability. That was his focus. And there on the cross, he met the sin that makes us vulnerable to God's judgment with forgiveness. You know, there is nothing worse than being unable to hear God and unable to speak with God, which is what sin does to us. Now, if you've noticed, sin is no friend to you. And he's certainly no relationship builder between yourself and God. My experience of sin is that when I sin, uh, I think I put talking to God off for a while. Is that anyone else's experience or is it just mine? A bit slower to come to the relationship because of my sin? A bit ashamed? And when I enter into sin, I'm kind of, because sin's attractive. I don't pause and say, oh, I think I'll just listen to God for a minute. No, what I do is I shut down hearing, and then as a result of sin, I shut down speaking. And effectively, I become a deaf mute in my relationship with God. Sin is no friend to us. And in the deathly vulnerabilities that come with sin, we are and, and that we're all confronted with, because death is the consequence of sin, Jesus met our worst fears with the hope of resurrection. Oh, how I hope you have ears to hear and lips to give him thanks. William Sangster was a great Christian from the past and he fell ill to a disease that progressively paralysed his body and eventually his vocal cords. On Easter, just before he died, he managed to scribble a short note to his daughter. 
And on that note it read, how terrible to wake up on Easter and have no voice to shout, He is risen! And then he scribbled, far worse to have a voice and not want to shout. Well, we ought to get back to the story, don't we? Away from the crowd, verse 33, Jesus puts his fingers in the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. Why the spit? I'm not sure, but his fingers had been in the man's ears. And if you have ever tasted earwax, then you would know you don't want that on your tongue. <laughs> not that I have ever tasted earwax, but Adam has told me it tastes terrible. <laughs> The really important part in verse 34, though, is that you see Jesus had ears to hear and a tongue to speak. He listened to his Father in heaven and he spoke to his Father in heaven. And so knowing his Father in heaven, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, not one of those kind of, oh, kind of sighs, those deep sighs that come right down here in the gut. That kind of overwhelming sigh. With a deep sigh, he said, Ephathah, which means be open. And then we see two great truths, don't we? That where we are powerless, there is only vulnerability. But where the king is, what do we see? There is power. The man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly. And the people who were overwhelmed with amazement said, He has done everything well. He makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. How does he do that? Well, he does it because where the king is. There is power. That's worth considering when we think about our relationship with God, isn't it? To reject a compassionate, forgiving, protective, mind-changing, life-giving God who can open eyes, ears and tongues, to reject him would be to remain leprous, unforgiven, wrong-minded and ultimately to die without hope under God's judgment. So I think the most vulnerable people in the world are those who can't hear what God is offering us and can't speak to thank him for it. But I think the safest people in the world are you confirmants who have heard him speak and have listened to him and now are in conversation with him daily, knowing his kindness to if you can't hear God speak, then you will never know he loves and cares about you personally. You can never know that when you fail, he loved you enough to personally go to the cross to die for you. You will never know the experience of God taking you aside and away from the crowd to fix all that has made you vulnerable. Friends, we know that where we are powerless, there is only vulnerability. But we can know that where the king is, there is power.
Like the deaf-mute's friends, I really want to bring us all to Jesus today. And that's the hope of any Christian preacher. That's the hope of Adam, week by week. Like the deaf-mute's friends, we just want to bring you to Jesus. That might be somebody ringing to say, listen to him. Listen to him. He's telling you to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. With Jesus, I want to look up to heaven this morning. And I want to cry out, Ephatha, be opened to all who are unable to hear God speak and unable to open lips in praise of God's kindness. I want to say, Ephatha, be opened, such that you might hear and understand what Jesus has done for you. I want to ask you to walk aside today from the crowd, as our confirmees no doubt have done. If you've never done it before, walk aside with Jesus for a little while. Be alone with him. Do business with him. Let him do business with you. Let him open all that is closed to God in you because where we are powerless, there's only vulnerability. But where the king is, there is power. And that's where you will be most safe. Will you remember that? That's where you'll be most safe. Stick with Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.